The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. Hey, Pathways, are you excited about week two of Activate? Make some noise. Come on now. Yeah, you excited? Yeah, I am too. Thanks, worship team. Thanks. Thanks so much. Well, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, and this is a phenomenal passage about faith. I'm so excited to share it with you because it gives us a picture of three different places of faith. Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be today, and I want to bring those to you. And this series, really, this five-week series, I think, yeah, five-week series on Activate, this entire series is about faith. And uh, as we learned last week, faith is a, it's like a conduit, Okay. I didn't come to hit anybody today with a pipe. This is a conduit, if you didn't know what this is, conduit. And you know what conduit does? Conduit actually protects, it protects the wiring, all the wires that flow through the conduit. Typically, it's used for commercial use. And what that wiring carries, it carries power. It carries connection. It carries electricity. It carries change. That's why when you go to your house and you flip on a switch, right? Power comes through. The same is true of faith. Listen, faith is the way that God blesses you. Grace is the mean. Faith is the way. Write that down. Faith is the way that God blesses you. Faith is the way. Grace is the means. That's why scripture says it is by grace that you have been saved through what? Through faith. It's through faith. That's Ephesians 2.8. That's why we thought at the beginning of the new year, if we could expand your faith, this conduit, if we could grow, if we could build, if we could get that real tight, that camera shot, right there, if we get that right there, grow, ex- say activate. If we could activate and expand your faith, then here's what God could do. God could do Ephesians 3.20. He could do immeasurably more than you can even ask or think. See, faith is the way that God delivers peace to your nervous system, to your mind. If you want your mind to be governed by the Spirit when you're battling fear and anxiety, according to Romans 8, 6, it's through faith that God delivers peace. It's like when you hear God's voice. Do you know how you hear God's voice? You hear God's voice not with your ears, because I don't know about you, but I've never heard the audible voice of God. And you know why I think that is? The best I can figure it is this. Because if I heard God's audible voice, it wouldn't take a lot of faith on my part. But to hear God's voice, we hear it through faith. We say to ourselves, wait, wait a second. That's not my idea. That's a divine idea. That comes from God. Something deep in my soul that I can't explain. That's not my thought. That's not my impression. That's not my, that has to be God. And we receive that through faith. All right, somebody take this before I get too excited and throw it. Thanks. Thanks. All right, so uh, today, uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7 might be very familiar to you if you have some Sunday school experience or any VBS in your background. So uh, these will not be strange waters for you. So let's look at the text together. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening 
to the word of God. Verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing. They were scrubbing their nets. Verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, uh, Simon, his name was changed. It's the same guy. His name was changed to Peter. See, Jesus so changed the identity of Peter that what people called him by changed. Do you know that God can do such a deep work inside of you that people who, they won't even recognize you. What they used to call you, maybe a failure, maybe a liar, they're going to have to stop and reevaluate and take a step back because they're going to have to change what they call you because of what Jesus Christ has done in you. All right, so... He goes uh, to the boat that's belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. And this is what verse 4 says. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered with just a little bit of an attitude, master, We've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Like, Jesus, your little talk was really good, but we're the professionals here. You're the preacher, so you stick to the preaching, and we'll stick to the fishing. Okay? That's what kind of Peter was saying. Got to read between the lines. But give him credit. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, now, did you just pick up on that? Now, 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 here's the thing. God can bless you. You can receive the blessing of God even when you don't have the best of attitudes. God can bless your obedience even when you don't have the best. Just ask one of your kids when they listen to you, right? Well, you'll bless them, won't you, Jen? Even though they, you know they don't have the best of attitudes, if they listen, the same is true of God. God blessed Peter even though that he didn't have the best of attitudes. I mean, you think about it. You don't have to be in the mood to go to the gym for your muscles to receive the benefit. In fact, you don't even have to, you don't even have to want to come to church today for God to get a word through you, to speak to you. Did anybody not feel like coming to church today? Can I see your hand? That's a little awkward. That was a setup. I've been waiting to say that all week. So <laughs> that was a setup question. But, but, but do you know when I was growing up in church, you know what the old timers would call that? They would call that the sacrifice of praise. Because you came and you didn't, cons- you're going to get the best blessing. You know why? Because you didn't come and you didn't consult your feelings. The foundation of your decision was a faith decision. That's why you came. So, Peter, he... Let's down the nets and look at verse six. This is what the scripture says. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Let's read one more verse, verse seven. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and they filled both nets so full that they began to sink. Can you imagine that story? Verse two, verse two, verse two. Jesus saw on the water's edge two boats. Verse six, when they had done so, they had pulled in such a large catch of fish. Now, here's what I want you to do. I I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, neighbor. No, come on, do it. Come on now, help me out now. I know you're tired, but this is the best foot of snow we've seen all year. So (laughs) turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor, right? Turn to your neighbor, 
Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Now look at him again and say, favorite neighbor. So I'm trying to create some love in the house today for you. Look, look, don't be flirting now. Just say favorite neighbor. Don't be trying to put any moves on, okay? You're single. Keep your hands to yourself. We're not that kind of church. Favorite neighbor, favorite neighbor. And I want you to give them the subject that I want to talk about today. Say, 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 um, um, I'm on the edge of a blessing. Say that. Now, now look at him real serious now. Get real serious. Look at him and say this. Say, say, give me a push. Give, give me a, give me a push. Give me a, because, because central premise, here's my big idea for this weekend. The edge of my next blessing will oftentimes be the place of my greatest frustration. The edge of your next blessing will oftentimes be the place of your greatest frustration. Isn't that the scene in Luke chapter 5? After Peter had fished all night, he had cleaned the nets. He was getting ready to store them. He was going to dry dock his boat because the rudder had some problem in it. And so he called all his buddies. He got it up and he was about. And just then, just in that moment, the radical rabbi comes by with his large crowd. And he says, hey, gets into his boat. You know, there's a pattern in Scripture, that there's a pattern in Scripture that is so interesting to me. There are different places of faith. Let me preach my first point to you. Here's the first place of faith where you need to activate your faith, where I need to activate my faith. The, the, the first place of faith in Luke chapter 5 where we see that someone activates their faith is in our lowest moments. Write these down. There's three of them. I want, them. I want you to write them down because when your husband's acting crazy this week, you preach it back to him, okay? Or your wife or your mother-in-law. Insert whomever, okay? And, and I want you to, to think about this. The, there are three places of faith. The first is in our lowest moments. We see this pattern over and over. It was just when Peter was pulling everything up out of the water, it was at his, when he was, after all of his frustration, Jesus wants to give him the blessing. You know, I think that sometimes God reserves, God reserves his greatest glory for our lowest moments. He can do, he can do whatever he wants. You can experience the God, you can experience the power of God, the miracles of God at any moment in your life. God is God, he can do whatever and whenever he wants to do it. But my experience and watching the pattern of scripture is that God reserves his greatest glory for our lowest moments. For our lowest moments when, when Peter was so frustrated, when he had fished all night, it was as if Jesus said, now I'm gonna give you my blessing. And I think the reason is that that when we are blessed, we know who actually blessed us because then we realize that we didn't accomplish the blessing in our own strength anyways. It wasn't in our own professionalism. It wasn't in our own skill. It was all by the hand and the mercy and the goodness of Jesus. I, I think that's the reason. Now, Lake Gennesaret, uh, it's also known as the Sea of Galilee. Say the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, you got to say it with that emphasis. I was there a couple years ago. In fact, I was there with some of you. We went on a trip to Israel. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. And, and Luke calls it, I think, more appropriately. He calls it the Lake of Gennesaret in, in verse 1. Now, here's what's so fascinating about the Lake of Gennesaret. It's not that it's a major body of water, but it is the lowest fresh body 
of water on earth. You can fact check me on that, okay? It's the lowest, it's the, it's the lowest, it's the lowest. It's not major, but it's the lowest. In fact, it was the base of where Jesus would perform and take place and do many of his miracles in his earthly ministry while he was on earth. In fact, scholars would number 17 to 18, depending on how you count the miracles recorded in the Gospels, 17 to 18 of the 40 miracles that Jesus performed while he was on earth in his three years of ministry was around the sea of Galilee. Now, do you think there's anything significant about God choosing the sea of Galilee, the lake of Gennesaret, as the lowest fresh body water of, 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 of water on, on earth? Do you think there's anything? I do. I believe the fact that God chose that, that Jesus chose that place demonstrates to us that God wants to do his greatest work in our lowest moments and in our weakest places. Now, that isn't for everybody. I, I know some of you are here today and you're doing just fine. That might not be your case. You're doing just fine without God. I mean, you got money and you got stuff and you're managing your, your image to everybody and your kids are all obedient and they don't ever do anything bad and your marriage, you don't got time for God. But just in case there are a few people that are in a low moment, I want you to know that the conditions are right for God to do a miracle and to demonstrate and display his power in your life. Now, here's what's kind of interesting to me. Not only was Peter frustrated, but do you know who else was frustrated in this text? The crowd was frustrated. The crowd was frustrated because they couldn't get to Jesus. They couldn't be around Jesus. That's why verse one, if you look at verse one, do you, do you know what was taking place? Jesus was actually, he was, he was speaking, he was sharing, he was giving the word of God. He was preaching the word of God. To the word of God was speaking the word of God to the people. Now, that's not what you're hearing. That's not the case today. That's not what you're hearing today. You're hearing an individual like myself who is trying, I am attempting to declare the word of God to you. To understand Luke chapter 5, verse 1, you have to understand John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing that was made has been made. This is the word of God that Jesus was declaring. It was as if heaven was having a big meeting, a committee session, and they were asking this one central question. How are we going to get the word to the world, not a word, the word. Why the word to the world? That's a great question. John 1.14 says it this way, that Jesus came and he made his dwelling among us. He was wrapped in flesh because God likes unlikely places to do the unexplainable. He wrapped his son in flesh so that we could behold his glory. It was as if heaven was saying, how, how shall we do this? How shall we do this? How can we get the word into the world that we love so much? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God from the very beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing that has been made has been made. How shall we do this? Maybe a teenage Palestinian 
girl. Maybe a virgin womb. Maybe a crowded stall. Maybe we'll take the Son of God wrapped in flesh and put him in the most unlikely place that if you weren't looking for him, you would miss him. See, God likes unlikely places to do the unexplainable. And I want you to hear this. Somebody needs to hear this word today, that God likes the unlikely to do the unexplainable in your life. Just about when you were ready to give up, just when you were cleaning the nets, just when you've been fishing all night, just when you were ready to walk out on that marriage or stop praying that prayer, just when that was going to take place in your life, it was as if God was saying, give that back to me because I'm gonna do something with it. It's not over. I'm not done. I'm gonna work a miracle. I'm gonna do something that is gonna blow your mind if you would just activate your faith in this unexplainable, in this unlikely place and trust me with your entire life. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what this story is about. But that miracle, those moments, the glory and the power of God is conditional. On what? Conditional on your obedience. Conditional on your perseverance. Conditional on your willingness. Can you amen that? It's conditional. You have a role to play. That's what faith is. You gotta activate it. You gotta fuel it. You gotta sharpen it. You gotta work it. Somebody say work it. You want a decade to be different? You want 2020 to kick off an entire decade that's gonna be different? Because God knows some of your last decade was not the best decade. If God wants you to have a decade full of faith, then you have to have faith that you would activate it. Activate it, but you also need to know the place where you need to activate it. In your lowest moment. Now, let me, uh, let me preach uh, point two. Point two is kind of interesting. Uh, uh, don't put it up yet, James. Don't put it up yet. I'm going to surprise him. All right? Here, uh, l- let me say this. Uh, now, what happens next is hilarious. In fact, I think what Jesus does is almost illegal, okay? This is really interesting. Verse one, he sees two boats on the water's edge, right? Verse two, then what does he do? He goes to Peter's boat and he gets into it. Now, now you all are looking at me like that's not weird, okay? There was, no, there was no lease agreement. He didn't pay any rental on this. This is early in Jesus' name. You're still looking at me. If you don't think this is weird, go try it. Go out into the parking lot today and I want you to find the nicest car. I want you, not a Honda Accord, there's nothing wrong with a Honda Accord, but I want you to find the nicest car in the parking lot today, and I want you to get in the car when somebody turns it on, and I want you to sit in the car, and I want you to say, oh, I noticed that, that you go to Pathways Church, you must be a Christian. God told me I needed to use your boat, I mean your car. Can I have the keys? <laughs> Try it. I dare you. I dare you. In effect, that's what Jesus does. Peter doesn't know. He just heard whispers of who he is. We're looking back on the story. We got a bunch of BBS inside of us. Listen, Peter's just there for the first time. He's like, who's this guy? Who get, you better get out of my boat. I'm going to hit you with the pipe. I'm going to activate my faith. Some conduit. Right? See? Have you ever thought about why Jesus chose Peter? Have you ever thought about that? I got a lot of reasons why Jesus shouldn't have chosen Peter. I mean, you think about it. Peter was impulsive. Peter, 
P- Peter was, he had a big mouth. P- Peter, Peter was violent. I mean, you think about it. You don't go cutting off people's ear if you had a normal child upbringing, right? <laughs> P- Peter, he had some filthy language, right? Why, why did Jesus choose Peter? Now, you got to think about it for a moment. Uh, this was pre-Uber, okay? This was no socials. So Jesus came in the first century, and he had the word came into the world to get the word to the world. He had to get the word out. He had to get his word out. He had to get who he was. He had to get his kingdom out. He had to get the gospel out. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? You know, when I was a little kid, preachers used to always tell me, you know why they chose Peter? You know why Jesus chose Peter? Because he was bold, right? There you go. Many of you agree with that? Show of hands, you'd say, he chose because he was bold. Yep. I don't think that. I disagree. You know why I think he chose Peter? Because Peter had a boat. (laughs) He had a boat. Peter had a boat. See, now think about this. Think about this. The creator partnered with his creation. Now just stop and think about that for a moment. The word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Through him all things were made. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and, with, and nothing without him was made that has been made. Here the creator is partnering with his creation, with Peter. Now watch this. Jesus didn't have to use Peter's boat. In fact, Jesus was the one, we learned this in other gospel stories, he could have walked on the water. And I'll tell you what, if I were Jesus, I would have walked on the water. It was early in his ministry. I would have moonwalked on the water in front of that large crowd, and then I would have been preaching. And you know what? They'd have been paying attention. Right? But Jesus said, I want your boat. I want his life. I want her life. I want your weakness. I want your boldness. I want your boat. Jesus says, I want to take a bunch of people and put them all together from all different backgrounds and races and from all different experiences in places of employment and brokenness. I want to take some who've been abused. I want some who are emotionally erect. I want some who are the brightest and have some of the highest degrees and the most influence in government and society. And I want to put them together and I want to build my church. I want your boat, Peter. I, I, I want your boat. You know, I used to think that Jesus chose Peter because Jesus needed Peter's boat. But then I realized that's absurd. Jesus didn't need Peter's boat. Peter needed Jesus' blessing on his boat. Hmm. Hmm. See, The second place of faith in Luke chapter five is your best blessing. Your best blessing happens on your boat, in your heart. Did you hear what Ken said earlier in that story? 
God opened my heart. God got a hold of my, listen, no human being can transform the heart. It's only the power of Jesus Christ that takes the heart and transforms it and allows room such that he can get on your boat. Can God get on your boat? Can God have your boat? Now, this is where the enemy kind of messes with us. Here's what the enemy does. I'm going to tell you right now. If you're, battling, if you're battling spiritual warfare or the enemy, or if you don't know what that means, but you know that your life is jacked up, that's the enemy. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's spiritual definition of spiritual warfare. My life is jacked up. That's spiritual warfare, okay? That's 101, okay? If your life's jacked up, that's the enemy. That's Satan, that's yourself, or that's your sin, okay? Jacked up. If you're battling the enemy, here's one of the ways that the enemy will play mind games with you. He'll say this, God, God doesn't want your boat. And then you'll start asking the why my boat? My boat's too small. My boat's dirty. I have fished all night. Why would Jesus want my boat? Right? See, this is what Jesus Jesus shows us that he doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. He wants you. The same is true in the area of giving. Listen to this. The same is true in the area of giving. Forgive me. When I was younger, I thought that God needed my boat. I thought he needed my gift. I thought that when we gave to church when I was a little kid and I was growing up and I saw my parents tithe, and I thought, I thought that was the way to pay the salary for Pastor Morse and, and my youth pastor and a couple other staff. I thought that was the way we're going to keep the lights. I thought that was the way we're going to make sure that the carpets were going. I thought that I thought it was all. And it is. There's a certain truth to that. But the offering, God uses the offering not to build his church. Forgive me, because as life rolled by, I realized that God was long before I was ever there, and that my gift, God could use any resource to fund and to build his church. Actually, the offering was meant to build my faith. See? See, when we challenge you to give, when we challenge to activate your faith in this area, to start tithing, listen, set it up online. You don't need to pray about what is clearly commanded. Just do what God is asking you to do. Be obedient in that. Watch that. You know why? Listen to me on this. Listen to me on this. We're not speaking the language of obligation, but the language of opportunity. Do you know in verse three, now check it out, when Peter, when Jesus gets into Peter's boat, do you know what he does? He asked him. I think that if Peter would have, if, if Jesus said, hey, bro, I like your boat, can I get in it? Wouldn't that have been awesome, by the way, just to be in the crowd that day? And Jesus said, hey, bro, I like your boat. I like your truck. Can I, can I hop up in it? If Peter said, no. How many boats were there that day? Say two. I think he'd have gone to the other boat and said, hey, can, can I use your boat? The place of faith is your best blessing, and it happens on your boat. And, and see, then when, 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 see, sometimes God will trick you. 
<laughs> when, when Jesus got into Peter's boat that day, do you think that Peter thought to himself, I'm gonna be tra traveling with this rabbi for the next three years? Do you think he thought to himself, I'm gonna see this guy heal people whose ears are deaf. I'm gonna see this guy cast out demons. I'm gonna see 2,000 pigs run over his side with a bunch of demons. Do you think that Peter had any idea that he was gonna see the lame walk, that he was gonna see the blind so that they could see? Do you, do you have any idea that Peter's own mother-in-law was gonna get healed by God? Wow. I think he was just thinking he was gonna loan his boat for a little trip around the the lake. But Jesus said this, give me a push. Put out into deep water. Do, do you know what he was speaking there? The language of faith. Jesus was speaking not only the language of opportunity, but now he's speaking the language of faith. Faith is this. Faith, according to Luke chapter 5, is pushing out into the deep when you don't know the result and letting down the nets when it doesn't make sense. When you've fished all night and you've caught nothing, that you say to God, because you say it, Jesus, I'm going to do it. Because I'm going to have the obedience as the guarantee of my blessing. Because I'm going to trust you more than what all the data says. I'm going to trust you more than what my family says. I'm going to trust you more than what anybody else says because if you say it, I'm going to do it because you're Jesus and you're in my boat. And when Jesus is in your boat, he knows where the fish are. He stocked the waters. He knows where every blessing and everything that you need. And when you release it, when you give your boat, there's such a freedom and such an experience and expectation that God is your shield, that he is your glory, that even at your lowest moments and your weakest places, that he can lift up your head as David said. David said in Psalm 23 that he'll prepare a place before you in the presence of your enemies that he will anoint your head with oil that your cup will run over. Yeah. Give me a push. Jesus is saying to some of you, give me a push. Give me a push. Give me. Some of you, you've been hanging out in the row and he's been in your boat and he's been saying for years, give me a push. Yep. Hmm. And you've been playing games. I'll give you a shove. No, 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 no. Son, daughter, a push. Yeah, but what if I get out there in the deep and I let down my nets and there's no catch? Doesn't matter, you were obedient. God will bless you for your obedience, not the outcome. God handles the outcome. Our job is to handle the obedience. That's our role. So many of us are so uptight about the outcomes that we've forgotten the obedience to God. That's called the lordship of Jesus Christ. All right, I gotta wrap up this message. I'm on overtime. <laughs> Point three, here it is. Here's the last place of faith. The last place of faith is the most challenging place. Write that down. It's the most challenging place. The, the story started off with an empty net, right? No catch. The story ends with so many fish, verse seven, they had to signal to their friends to come and to, and, and to bring their boat by. And it says, scripture says that both boats were ready to sink. Can you imagine? 
I think that's what God is doing here at Pathways Church. I think he's building his church. I believe it. Do you believe it? I believe it. I'm activating my faith that this will be the greatest year of our church. Why? Because God is building his church. I'm not doing it. You're, we're, we're, listen, listen, there's two, there's two groups of people in every church. Can I just tell you? Can I be really honest with you in January? That way, if I get soft in February, you know I brought it to you hard in January, okay? All right? Because I got Hosea coming up, all right, in February. So I'm gonna stick to faith in January. Here, I'm gonna bring it to you real straight right now. Here it is. There's two groups in every church. First, there's the crowd. The crowd is good, man. It's a great place to be. That's a great starting point to be a part of the crowd. The crowd gets the message. It's a great place to be a part of the crowd. No, no, doubt, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, but then there's the, the, the crew. There's the crew, right? Like when Jesus uh, said to Peter, can I have your boat? Peter was in the crowd, and then Jesus said, hey, can I have your boat? He was a part of the crew. When you walk out these doors, you walk down the hallways, you see volunteers, you see people in the parking lot, you see people at the cafe, you see people leading small groups, you see people baptizing people, do you see people? There was a guy today, long before you were getting your cup of coffee, do you know what my friend John was doing on this stage? He was mopping the stage. I got a picture of it. It so spoke to my life. There's people on camera operators, there's people who are changing slides. They're violent. You know what they're doing? They're using their boat. Those are boat people. Those are crew members. And listen, it's not, hey, listen, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being part of the crowd. The, the, the crowd, the crowd is a good starting. But here's the thing. Listen, the crowd, they get the message, and when they don't feel like coming, they live stream it. Right? They sleep in. Uh, yeah, well, maybe. Listen, the crowd the crowd gets the message, but the crew gets the miracle. Mm. Now, I'm going to end with this one simple question. Regardless of the place where you're at today, whether it's in your lowest moment or sitting in your boat with Jesus, Maybe you're right at the edge and Jesus is going to say, give me a push. Maybe 2020 is going to be the year where Jesus says, give me a push. You thought you were saying to your neighbor, give me a push. Jesus is actually saying to you the title of my message. Give me a push. Give me a push. Push past your fear. Push past your anger. Push past your word. Push past the output. Just give me a push. Let me be God. And follow me. Or maybe it's your most challenging place. Maybe God is blessing you right now and you don't even, you're, you're so blessed. Listen, if you're so blessed right now, if you're blessed right now and God has blessed you so much, I just, first of all, I wanna get around you. Do you know why? No, seriously. You know why I wanna get around you? Because your blessing will rub off on me. What, what did Peter do in verse seven? He signaled to the other boat. If you're blessed, you need to find three people after the service and you say, I am so blessed right now, you better hang around with me because my blessing, I got too many fish. I got, too, I got too much, I got too much. God will bless your life so much that he calls you not to be a selfish steward, but to be a blessing conduit. Oh, oh. Crowd gets the message, the crew gets the miracle. 
So here's the question I want to ask you. Will you follow Jesus with faith? Not head knowledge, friends. Remember what we, what DeRay broke off last week when he said, faith is what? Faith is belief. It's confidence. But then it's action. Will you follow him with faith?